So greetings, friends of St. Mark's. It is my delight to be here officially on an official visitation, meaning I think all of my other visitations might have been somewhat unofficial. I'm not sure. But this is the one that by canon law I make once a year to you. I check to make sure the books are in good order, and they are. I do things like confirmations and baptisms, and it is a time when I get to speak to the vestry, which I have done, and I spoke to the confirmands earlier this morning. So there's a little bit more to this visitation than when I come to join with you because this is where my seat resides. So my seat is here, and it, you, you kindly keep it dusted for me, and um, it's always so beautiful. And what you need to know is that that seat, this chair, the big chair right up there, is called the cathedra, all right? So that means the seat of the bishop. But you know, in the church, we have to give things a whole lot of names. Like instead of scarf, we say stole. And instead of seat of the bishop, we say cathedra. So it means that the cathedral is actually named, as I'm sure most of you know, because it is where the seat of the bishop, the cathedral, resides. Many of you were here on the Sunday after my consecration when I was ceremoniously seated in the cathedral. And let me assure you, that moment was a profound moment in my life. And even when I say it, I can still, still start to tear up because of the huge privilege it is to sit in the cathedral, in this cathedral, your cathedral, our cathedral, as your bishop. I've noticed in the times that I've, a couple of things, in my time with this particular seat, this unique seat in my life, that it gives me connection it gives me connection to the bishops that have gone before me. I have found that in times of prayer or reflection while sitting there, I can feel the presence, the cloud of witness of the previous bishops of this diocese here to guide me and to be with me and to journey with me. And that has been surprising. And then I went, why was that surprising? Of course that's the way God works. But I want to tell you in all honesty another experience about sitting in the cathedral. My feet don't touch the floor. <laughs> Not by a long shot. The seat is so deep that I can neither touch the floor nor the back. I just sort of have to perch there. Which after some of the lengthier services in our Episcopal tradition, I have found to be problematic to my back, my knees, and everything else. So today, I've moved in a little bit. I'm resizing the cathedral. I brought a footstool, which a parishioner, former parishioner of mine made when he noticed in my first church my feet didn't touch the floor there either. I brought a bolster pillow to put behind the beautifully um, embroidered pillow that is there. Because you see, sometimes the ministry God calls us to seem outsized for us. They seem to be too big for us to see ourselves even fitting into. And yet, as I just explored with the children, we are called, all of us, called to the priesthood of all believers. 
That is, we are called to the ministries of discipleship that the Spirit calls us into, whether we think they fit us or not. A colleague of mine once said, when God calls you, the baptized Christian's response is only one thing, and that is, yes, here I am, Lord. Or, as we'll say in the baptismal words, I will with God's help. And I t sort of take that to mean, I I'm here, but don't you think you're going to leave me to this all by myself? You better stay with me, God, because we're in it together. You called me to it. You see me through it, right? So it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if the ministries that you feel yourself called to, if the Spirit calls you into something and you think you are qualified, that's irrelevant. In God's work, it just doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you have ever or never seen yourself doing such a thing as you feel prompted to do through your prayer life. It doesn't matter if you have no idea what you will say if you're called to talk to somebody or to call somebody on the phone. It doesn't matter that you know ahead of time how that conversation will go. It doesn't matter. If God calls you, then the answer is yes. Because all of the details, they will be worked out. And you don't even need to understand how. And I say this as a person who has a very, very high need for information. I like all the details. I love checklists. And I like to know where I'm going and what I'm about. And what I've learned is that that's fine in many parts of my life. But when God calls, I can relax and let go of all that and know that God will give what we need in order to do what God calls us to. So I want to give you a perfect example of this. I'm asking, I would like to ask if you would raise your hand if you've been at St. Mark's for five years. So raise your hand if you've been at St. Mark's for five years. Okay, look around. Look around. All right. There's a, there's a handful of people who've been... Keep, keep those hands up. Keep them up. Sorry, you're going to lose some blood in your fingers here. So keep them up. All right. Now let me ask those of you with your hands raised. I want you to keep your hand up if five years ago you would have thought that in just five years into the future to today that the bishop would be making a visitation to two locations when visiting St. Mark's with the second location being to a dignified and loving housing solution to unhoused seniors and while they're doing six confirmations for residents aged 54 to 69. Keep your hand raised if five years ago you could foresee that happening today. Look around. There are no hands up. When the Spirit moved the hearts of the members and leadership and clergy of the Cathedral Church of St. Mark to give of money and resources to make a real dis difference in the issue of housing are working with the point, dreaming it into being even more than the original dream. None of you could foresee this. Had you known that you were aiming towards this sort of miraculous involvement of actually and as your dean told me once, of kind of nigh on accidentally planting a church, you might have frozen in your tracks. 
or even worse, you might have come to the standing committee, nothing personal, Kurt, you might have come to the standing committee of the diocese and the diocesan council to figure out all of the steps needed to plant a church, to inquire about process and legalities and timelines. But thanks be to God, the Holy Spirit knew better and just kept leading you and you kept following. And you will continue following. And the church will grow, and people will know Jesus, and the hungry will be fed, and the naked clothed, and the homeless given dignity, freedom, and security. Thanks be to God. You are a church filled with and led by the Holy Spirit. And as such, you have the spirit of a disciple. You have the spirit collectively of disciples. Just like in the story of Pentecost we heard this morning, Jesus promised that the disciples would receive the Holy Spirit. And in John, we hear it slightly differently, that the Spirit will be in all disciples, not upon all disciples, but in. It, flow, it will flow out like water, just rushing out. So it is as close to you, this Holy Spirit, as your very breath. In Acts, we hear that the followers of Jesus were gathered, closed in, not knowing what the Spirit would bring to them. The promise, how Jesus' promises would be fulfilled. And it came unexpectedly. It came with the sound of wind. It came with the look of fire. It came and rested on their heads. What power. And then without planning or knowing how, without forming a long-range planning committee for intercultural ministries, miraculously, the Holy Spirit brought clarity to all who came, and they came, and people came running to see and to hear what that sound was. And when people came from all over, People who just moments ago were forced to speak a common language in order for anyone to other understand could suddenly understand each other in their own native tongue. Because in that time, in that place, in that moment, the Holy Spirit gave them the gift of being able to hear the story of Jesus, and they all understood their commonality in God. Being able to hear in their own language, let them know that the story they were hearing was the story that unified them all as they were, as they are, when they stand before God. That is what was needed in that moment, and the Holy Spirit provided it. This is the same Holy Spirit that we have in us. The same Holy Spirit that we prayed gets stirred up in this place, in our baptismal candidates, in our confirmands, and do not forget every single Sunday, the Holy Spirit that we pray gets stirred up in the bread and the wine in the altar, on the altar. Our prayers for baptism and confirmation actually have so much to say about the Holy Spirit. As I said to the kids, count it. Pay attention to it. Let your mind just be opened every time you hear Holy, Holy Spirit. 
As the, spirit, as the service moves on in a few minutes, we're going to find ourselves on page 15 of the bulletin. So you can just open to that page. Your pro Oops, are we, is it still 15 in the smaller? I'm 15 on my, yeah, okay, good, good. Thank you. Thank you, Holly, for that little nod. Right, so page 15, we're going to get there at a certain point in the service. For those being baptized, of course, they will be baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And after that, the holy oil, known as chrism, oil blessed by the bishop for this purpose, is used to make the sign of the cross as the words are spoken. You are sealed. You are sealed by the Holy Spirit in baptism and marked as Christ's own forever. Sealed, meaning two things. You are marked as belonging to Jesus, a seal by which you can defend yourself against all evil. Do not ever forget that when you are in harm's way. You are marked, trace it, make it, name it. I am sealed as Christ's own forever, and I am protected from all evil. Revelation 7.3 says, Do not damage the earth or the sea or the trees until we have marked servants of our God with a seal on their foreheads. You are sealed and protected. And the second meaning... The Holy Spirit is sealed within you. Ephesians 1.13 says you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. So that Holy Spirit is in you as close as your breath. Baptism conveys the Holy Spirit just as Jesus promised to his disciples. And then look what gets added when a person publicly commits to and confirms their faith no longer relying on someone else to name the faith, godparents or other people in the church to name their faith for them. Those who are being confirmed stand to do this for themselves, for yourselves. So turn to the next page, page 16, and about the third line down, you'll find what I'm going to be talking about now. We pray this right before I lay hands on each confirmand's head and pray that the Holy Spirit strengthen, empower, and sustain them. That's what I'm going to pray. When I put my hands on their head, I will pray that the Holy Spirit strengthen, empower, and sustain each person in their faith. But in that third line down, we pray that by the sealing, again, that sealing, by the sealing of your Holy Spirit, and this is a prayer we talk about for all of us, you have bound us to your service. Send them forth in the power of that spirit to perform the service you set before them. So now you're going to start hearing sealed, Holy Spirit, sealed, and service, all as one thing. And they are confirmed, after they are confirmed in their faith, we pray a little bit further down, second line down in the prayer just above the peace. So if you find the prayer just above the peace, the second line of it says, let your Holy Spirit ever be with them, and so lead them in the knowledge and obedience of your word that they may serve you in this life and dwell with you in the life to come. The Holy Spirit sealed upon you, within you. You are sealed for service, and you are ultimately 
sealed for delivery as you enter one day the everlasting life with God. That sign, visible upon your forehead, sealed for service, sealed for delivery. Jesus gave us the Holy Spirit that we would never be alone, but also the purpose of not being alone is not simply to have a companion. It's so that we know what we are to do. We know where God would have us be. The Holy Spirit is the gift that we have so that we will always know God. And as such, we will always know how to do the work of Jesus in this world, in the here, in this here, and in this now, just as disciples were shown by God on that first Christian Pentecost. And now, my friends, one last thought before we start stirring up the Holy Spirit in this place, because that's a lot of your job, right? When we're getting ready for the baptisms, when, the, when Alma and Jason come up to the waters, pray those prayers of stir it up, God. Stir it up. Feel just like the incense floats in here. That's what the Holy Spirit is doing. Envision that. Okay, maybe not. Okay, that wasn't even the thought. Now I'm going to get to the one last thought. There's actually another part to the definition of a cathedral. It's not just defined as the presence by the presence of the bishop's cathedra. Far more importantly, it is the church that serves witness to the bishop's vision and mission for the diocese. That is your work in how you live out your discipleship. You serve as a witness to others who watch and want to do the same in their location, in their churches, in their places. You are the ones who hold up the vision and mission of the diocese. As I work to grow into my ministry, I will clarify. I'm a person of many, many words, so it takes me a while to shrink down the many words I have in my head about our vision and mission into a very clear statement. So give me more time to pray, more people to help me clarify that into a very, very succinct sentence that we can all say very easily, because I'm getting there. Right now I'm down from about, you know, 300 jubilant words to, you know, somewhere around 50. So we're, we're getting there. But for now, I look to you, Cathedral Church of St. Mark's, to continue the work God has called you to, that the Spirit is leading you into, with the humility and compassion of Jesus himself. To be a member of the cathedral church is to, in its greatest sense, to have the spirit of a disciple, the life of a servant. Continue being led forth by the Spirit, answering yes, or if you prefer, I will, with God's help to the work that God is calling you to individually and collectively. Because we look to you. I pray for you. If our diocese, in every community where we are, and in those communities where the Holy Spirit knows we will be, can rise to the level of your discipleship, just imagine the people that will be served and brought to Jesus in Utah. This is our work together, and I am blessed to join you in it.
And now, my friends, as the vineyard always needs more laborers, as we were talking about with the vestry, let's get on with the work of stirring up the Holy Spirit. You know what? I'm going to stop there for just a second. Because what we talked about at the vestry is we need more ordained clergy. And let me tell you, when you get a call to the ordained life, it can be full-time or it can be bivocational. So if God has been prompting that in you, you are to speak to your clergy as soon as possible. It doesn't matter whether you think you're going to look good in these robes or feel silly or not. It doesn't matter whether you've ever seen or thought of yourself doing that before, because those among you who feel that call to ordained life, we want to talk, because that's how the church moves forward. Okay, that was a public service announcement. Now, my friends, let's live into the Pentecost promise and bring the Holy Spirit unleashed into our presence, baptizing and confirming those who seek the sacraments this day.